I suppose you're wondering what I'm doing working at a place like the Kit Kat Club. Well, it is a rather unusual place. <laughs> That's me, darling. Unusual places, unusual love affairs. I am a most strange and extraordinary person. Now, tell me all about you. I want to hear everything. Everything? Absolutely everything. Well, uh, there's nothing very dramatic to tell. Well, since I came down from Cambridge, I... Leah Dupuddy, absolutely my favorite screen siren. Well, when I left Cambridge... I'm going to be a great film star. <laughs> that is a booze and sex. Don't get me first. You're a shocky, darling. Not a bit. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ooh, this is a good movie. It is a good movie. I'm excited yeah, to talk about it. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm mm-hmm. glad we revisited. Everybody, listeners, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that made us gay. gay. Scott, why don't you talk a little bit about what we watched and our very special guest for the afternoon. We had our friend Darren back on the show. I think that Darren was one of our first guests, if not... The first guest on this show. <laughs> oh, special. Welcome back to the show, Darren. We had him over to watch Cabaret from 1972, directed by the one Mr. Bob Fosse. Thanks for having me back, guys. Thanks for letting me do this sh- this movie. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> we almost yeah, did it for your second movie. Yes, I've been wanting to mm-hmm. do it. And I, I ended up going with Bedknobs and Broomsticks last time. But oh, yes. this, is, this is definitely up there for me. So. Essential viewing. Essential viewing. The Oscars... Yeah when we're recording this, are on Sunday. And this has the reputation of the most Oscars won without winning Best Picture. Huh. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's Godfather. Yeah. Uh, okay. Shocking that Francis Ford Coppola did not win Best Director for The Godfather. Fossey like, got it. Shocking. Like, I, I almost remembered it being, oh, well, Francis obviously won that. But then I looked it up today, mm-hmm. and Fosse won Best Director. How do you like that? He sure did. And I'd imagine that was probably a pretty close race for Best for best picture, yeah, those are two really good films in one year. I mean, Godfather obviously is legendary, and I but I think Cabaret holds its own, and I think it mm-hmm. deserved a lot of the awards it won, especially for her. You know, oh yeah, yeah. We'll it, talk about the best actress race race yes. later in the podcast. I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, yes. Do you know how many uh, Oscars it did win that year? It won eight. It won eight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Pretty much everything it was nominated for besides best picture. Okay, <laughs> so that includes. Best Actress for Liza Minnelli and Best Supporting Actor mm-hmm. for Joel Grey. Correct. Yes. Yep. And they also right. both won the Globes. Mm. Okay. Yep. Very cool. Man, these performances. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll really get into it, but Joel Grey, I didn't even realize yesterday or until, you know, yesterday when we were watching it, it just kind of hit me that like his entire performance in the movie is on the stage yeah. singing in character at the cabaret he doesn't really like have any dialogue lines nope and that's how it was in the show the original broadway show that he originated as well yeah Yeah. so that's probably pretty um like remarkable for an academy award-winning performance right Mm -hmm. you know not having actual lines of dialogue especially that we don't know all that much about joel gray's character but just the master of ceremonies that's all that you really need to know right the mc is a cool character Mm mm-hmm I mean, we have to, you know, we have to talk about the actual stage production. Right. You know, where, you know, where this movie originated from. And, it, 
you know, famously had this huge revival in the, was it the 90s? Late 90s, yeah. 93. 93. That was when uh, Sam Mendes directed the one in London, I think. Okay. Right. Started and, then. Yeah. And that's when I really remember this, you know, coming onto my radar and just, you know, Alan Cumming and like just how huge it was then. Sort of helped launch him in America. Mm -hmm. Not Spice World didn't. I was going to say not the Spice World, not the Flintstone sequel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like both him and Richard E. Grant that sort of walked away with Spice (laughs) World. Yeah. Um, Okay. All right. That's yeah. But that's kind of how I remember being introduced to this property, and then kind of going and seeking out this movie and Mm -hmm. seeing it, and just being like, "What am I? What like teenage? You know, Pete Mm -hmm. just being like so." What is this? <laughs> Speaking of that, I did so. Cabaret was first introduced to me because that was our junior year high school production. Wow! Right? <laughs> I want to see a high school production. Oh, of I this. got the video. Oh my um, goodness! Yeah, it was pretty scandalous even at the time. But we were going to do Oliver, and they not enough young looking kids like tried out. <laughs> so he basically completely went shifted right, gears and direction. did. Yeah, went different direction and did cabaret. We're doing Bob Fosse kids. Yeah, and it was pretty great. I mean, I I remember going and getting the film when he announced it, and I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I need to figure out what this is. And so I went to the the video store and I saw the cover of it with her, and I was just like, what the fuck is this? It looked, and then you turn the back and you see Joel Gray, and I was like, oh my god, what the hell are we doing? Like, and I watched Mm -hmm. it. It was so dark and Mm -hmm. so heavy, and a lot of the gay context didn't really rub off on me at the time. It was more just like dark i remember thinking mm-hmm. wow this is pretty heavy shit and the show ended up being a lot of fun to do and i ended up directing it in college i loved it so much and then you know just from there saw the revival and yeah. read a lot of chris richwood's books and yeah wow yeah i mean definitely for me too i think i must have been a teenager when i saw this and yeah the gay stuff kind of i don't know we it's interesting because at that point we didn't have like our phones to be distracted by. So I must have been distracted by something else because I feel like I don't really remember some of the conversations that took place with, you know, between the characters. And so, yeah, the I feel like um, Brian, is his name Brian? Mm-hmm. Brian in the movie, yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like Brian's kind of sexuality or bisexuality kind of maybe went over my head a little bit. And then... I feel like to me as a kid, the parts that weren't in the club, I was just like, get back to the club. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They're a little slow. Yeah. You know, as an adult, I appreciated them more. Yes. But back then, yeah. it was more about the razzle dazzle mm-hmm. of the cabaret yeah. numbers for sure. And now I feel like I'm even more interested, like you said, I'm so much more interested in the backdrop and yeah. kind of seeing the subtle hints of the rise of Nazism and, you know, seeing like the how many. How many uniformed soldiers there are in the club in the in the scenes and all that? Do you notice how progressively throughout yeah. the movie they start showing up more and more? Yeah, and yeah. it's so brilliant the yeah. way he directed it. Things like that just completely went over my head, you mm-hmm. know, on first first viewing. So there's so, a lot to unpack. So when I first watched this movie, I didn't watch, I did not watch this movie until late. Like right. I was in my late twenties that mm-hmm. I just on a whim rented it off Apple TV. It's one of those movies that it's like Citizen Kane. Like even if you have not seen this movie you've seen it referenced yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah just because i remember there's even a gag on the simpsons when they're doing the film festival that mo does his own <laughs> little master of ceremonies yeah we have mo the bartender in mo better booze money gets you one more round drink it down you stupid clown money gets you one more round and you're out on your ass whoa ah my 
it was stuff like that that I was familiar with, and I knew of the revival of the stage production from the 90s because I'm pretty sure that I must have saw someone on Rosie O'Donnell Yeah, do it. it was everywhere. And yeah. just kind of a revolving door of celebrities that used to do Sally. Um, just sort of liking the movie Chicago, you kind of knew that Bob Fosse had done Cabaret in the yeah. early 70s. So I was familiar with it even if I hadn't seen it. Right. And when you watch this movie, it's a musical... But, I mean, what do they call that? Like a Dianetic? Diegetic. A diegetic musical that everything is sort of in its story. The, the movie's very different from the stage production, yeah. if you guys mm-hmm. have seen that. And, you know, what he did, Bob Fosse did, is he basically eliminated any of the songs that the sub-characters, like the landlady who's now been reduced to kind of more of a very, very small part. Right. I think she barely talks in it. Yeah. Um, her boyfriend, the, the Jewish man who lives in the building, um, the prostitute. Those characters all were reduced to just small, tiny, tiny parts. Right. And they brought in characters that were from the book like Natalia Landauer and oh. the Gigolo those were characters that were from the book and so he made those characters but they don't sing right it's mm-hmm. all the cabaret numbers so he kept the cabaret numbers pretty much mostly intact but even if you watch the play the, the cabaret numbers are always a reflection on the dialogue or the scene right. that happened either previous or coming right after it right yeah and you know what i think is kind of unfortunate is that i think people who may not be familiar with it yet but are familiar with something like movie musicals like chicago or even you know moulin rouge are going to put this on and just be like and just even the musical numbers are are slow you know, because yeah. it's from the 70s. So it's like to a modern audience who's not familiar with it, even, you know, when in the first in the opening number, when the MC comes out and he introduces all the girls of the cabaret and they're out there, they just look tired. It's intimate. He was yeah. very real. It's not sparkly no. and and, yeah. and polished. It's a very are, lived in world. The girls yeah. didn't shave their armpits. Yeah. Their clothes are a little tattered. It's real. Yeah. That's what I guess it was like. Yeah. You know, the the world that Christopher Isher would experience in the thirties, you know, before he fled when Hitler came to power. Yeah. But there was that golden age in the late twenties during the Weimar Republic that was just on fire with this kind of stuff. You know? And I think it's so interesting that he went for uh a more realistic take on it because when mm-hmm. you do see something like Moulin Rouge, you're just like, what the hell is going on? It's so polished it's and showbiz. shiny. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's, showbiz, it's your but... traditional musical. Mm-hmm. He really kind of went for the authentic thing. He really yeah. wanted the mood to feel that way. The music, even the orchestrations feel very of the period, right. and very yeah. German, very European. Yeah. Um, I, I think he cast quite a few German actors sure. to actually be in the club. I think a couple mm-hmm. of the girls are his like, you know, dancers that he worked with a lot on Broadway but quite a few I believe are German I remember in the in the credits in the closing credits the cabaret girls are listed and then one of them her name is really big mm-hmm. bigger than the yeah. rest I'm like well she must have been a yeah. a Fosse repertoire player yeah. and also Bob Fosse was coming off of Sweet Charity which did not work out so hot for right. him and it was sort of a big bust so right. he was um, almost wanting to sort of redeem himself as a director by doing something like this yeah. that can really make him credible again. Sure. No, and he did a fantastic job. I mean, it, it's a very different... Again, it's very different from the stage production, mm-hmm. but I think it works really well as its own piece. Right. You know, um, I love it. And Bob Fosse, one of those one of those personalities that, I, you know, I just... 
the Fosse Verdon came out, which I, we didn't watch. Oh, you need to. It's great. Yeah, yeah. but it's one of those things that I, you're familiar with Bob Fosse, and I'm just I watch these things about his life, and I'm going. So he's not gay. He no. was. He never was. No. Uh, okay. He was a womanizer. <laughs> he was a womanizer. What? I mm-hmm. mean, it's shock. It shouldn't be shocking. A, a straight man can choreograph and direct a musical just as as well as a as a gay person. But it's just like, oh, all right. And you've never seen all that jazz, right? Uh, no, I have not. We should watch all that jazz. That's a good one too. Yeah. And watch Fosse Verdon because they do quite a bit of background on the making of the movie oh, behind okay. the scenes as well, which is which is neat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. That's yeah. fun. So, how old is Liza Minnelli when she's cast in Cabaret? She must have in her twenties. Well, in the state, was she? Mid-20s. Did he originate anything 20s. on stage with this? She did, right? Uh, she okay? No, she didn't. So, okay. she was in Flores, uh, Flora the Red Menace, which okay. in the sixties, right before, which is another Canterbury musical, mm-hmm. right before Cabaret, they wanted her. For Sally Bowles, Hal Prince said, no, she's too good of a singer. And they cast another, a British actress who did not sing that great. And she kind of did not get great reviews because (laughs) it's a, uh, listen, I get the the, um, authenticity of having Sally not be a good performer. Mm Christopher Isherwood actually talks, talked a great detail of how Liza Minnelli was way too talented. It was nothing (laughs) like the real Sally Bowles that he based it on or this woman that he knew. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was a bit of a hack. And so I understand the want to cast somebody who's not as great of a singer. Right. And so she did not get the part on Broadway, but Bob Fosse did cast her in the movie. And it's still very controversial about her casting because, again, that character is not supposed to be of that caliber. Right. But, I mean, those – what, does she have three big numbers? At least, yeah, yeah, cabaret yeah. maybe this time and money, and, oh money, yeah, money and yeah, they're so. I mean, you just can't like you can't take your eyes off her. Mm-hmm. She's so good. Yeah, she's she's so good. It's like it's so she memorable. Earned every like ounce of that Academy and Award, and it's one of those things that I think that Liza is almost sort of a running joke of just kind of how crazy she is. That and that's why we love Liza. Quirky. And then you yeah, watch quirky. this movie and you're like, fuck, that's it. Liza That's is why. also really, really talented yeah. too. Extremely talented. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I just think she's incredible. Yeah, you know the first scenes when he knocks on the door and he op- she opens the door and it's just those gigantic eyes. Mm-hmm. It's her whole face is just all her eyes and these lashes and she's just like blinking at him and talking to him and brings him into her room in this flat and you're just like whatever this is, I want to be in there. Bring a boyfriend home occasionally, but only occasionally, because I do think that one ought to go to the man's room if one can. I mean, it doesn't look so much as if one expected it, does it? Exactly. I see you've acquired a lot of worldly wisdom. Oh, not wisdom, darling. Instincts. Have ancient instincts. And I have this strange, mystical, vanished feeling about you. So you're moving right in, okay? Okay? Okay. Prairie oysters. Cheers. Peppermint prairie oysters. Oh, you got the toothpaste glass. 
intoxicating. Yeah. She's charismatic. Yeah. She pulls you in. She's just so there and yeah. so present. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel artificial. It feels as as much eccentricity that she has as that character. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's so real. She yeah. brings a real authenticity to it. I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much to unpack here because, like. I, or since we're talking about Liza, we might as well unpack all of that. Like the what's leading to her being cast in this movie and winning the Academy Award. We we just watched um, what is her name? The Be Kind you, Rewind YouTuber. Yeah, yeah, we love her. Even have you ever watched the Be Kind Rewind Mm-mm. YouTube videos? Mm-mm. Yeah, she goes into sort of the history of women in film, mainly through the Best Actress race. Okay, but mm-hmm. I mean, her point was, you know, Liza was kind of brought up to you know to win an academy award she was she was a she had a nightclub act in her as a teenager you know she was like touring with her mother you know all of all of these things just kind of like directing her path to to this to this moment and so she just knew what it was to be you know this performer and to give this kind of you know this role um the fact that it's it's controversial for you know uh fans of the of the of cabaret as a show is interesting and we're going to, we'll have to talk about the, the other actresses and how, how they interpret it. But was at the time, was it kind of like thought of as kind of a reimagining of the role or did she kind of like take ownership of like, I'm going to turn this around. I don't think there was any version of Sally Bowles that existed like that until right. she did it. Honestly. I mean, those songs existed. Maybe yeah. this time was not in the, Broadway show. Mm-hmm. It was written for another show and they added it to the movie. That's why it couldn't qualify for best song that uh, year, mm-hmm. even though it was a fantastic song. Oh, so good. <laughs> but um, sh- uh, Cabaret, there was a bunch of songs that Sally Bull sings that mm-hmm. are not in the show. Okay. Money was added. Um, so, it, I mean, from what I've seen of or heard from the 1966-67 production mm-hmm. you know that actress could not sing fantastic judy dench played her in london yeah and also you can watch that yeah. on youtube okay great look up she is not a great singer yeah but she sells She's it it's, it's an but... actory part right yeah you know again that that character has to really you have to really love her kind of hate her you know like it's it's a hard part to yeah. play and she's also again not a great performer so how do you sing those songs right and get the audience not to groan, but still fall in love with you. You know, yeah. Liza just did all of it, but also sang them really well, yeah. which was a mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. And I, I don't. And again, for Fosse making it so real, this movie, he obviously wanted her to be a really fantastic performer. Yeah. There was some reason he did that. Yeah, you know, definitely. Or wanted her to be that way. I think in the most recent uh, Broadway run, we had Emma Stone. And that's what got yeah. her the role in La La Land because uh, hmm. Justin Herzell, Chazelle, Chazelle, Damien Chazelle, Dam- <laughs> Damien Chazelle. I'm thinking of the guy that did Macbeth, but oh. um, <laughs> he had seen that performance, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what got her cast in that movie. Interesting. I saw Natasha Richardson do it again. Oh wow! Again, okay. one of those, and like, I think she won a Tony for it. She did. Yeah. Again, really well acted. Not a fantastic singer. Not right. terrible. Right. 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 But not as not not Liza right. caliber singer. And the revival took that approach, took the original approach of we're not going to make her um, a, 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 a belter singer. Right. You know? Yeah, and I was going to say Emma Stone took over from Michelle Williams 
who again, great actress, but you yeah. don't think of her as as a no. singer. So people that can come in and and sing the part and do it, you know, and do it justice, but you're there to see them, you know, perform the role. Um, so that's that's very interesting with this character. Looking up the actresses that have played oh. Sally Terry on the Hatcher. internet, Terry <laughs> Hatcher. I saw that one. You Jennifer did. Jason <laughs> she, Lee. She was in L.A. Yeah. Okay. Was uh, who was MC for that one? Because I know that was kind of a, um, not quite a revolving door, but they had quite John Stamos. And... It might have been. Oh God, who was it? Was it Norbert Leo Boots, the guy from? He's a Broadway guy. Oh, okay. He might have done the tour. I think didn't Uncle Jesse do yeah. John Stamos Probably. did it. a stent? Yeah. yeah, Dexter did it. Dexter, Michael mm-hmm. Hall, uh, Neil Patrick Harris yeah, has played him. Um, lots of people have played him. Jolie Fisher, Brooke Shields, Jolie Gina Fisher. Gershon, Molly Ringwald. I bet Molly Ringwald was good. Yeah, Debbie Gibson, Terry Hatcher, and of course Vanna White. Oh, you know, Vanna, Vanna White, White will be. <laughs> Performing the role of Sally Bowles probably in, in tonight's late forties. In tonight's uh, cabaret, good for her. Good I'll for take her. a U with an umlaut. <laughs> Google <laughs> Google the image of Vanna White in cabaret. They're they're pretty amazing. And again, we googled this image of Vanna White in cabaret, and she has the Louise Brooks mm-hmm. black bob, which I think also is something that Liza was probably the first person to do. Yeah, so she in. In the 60s production, it's really strange. It's a lot of the, I have a thing with wigs in shows, and I feel like in a lot of eras, you'll have a lot of the women or anybody wearing a wig. It's very of the current right. period. Yeah. And they didn't do a great job with the wigs, I feel like, in the original production. Even Sally has kind of... You'll see Judy Dench. It's kind of bouffanty, kind of sure. 60s. And um, Liza cut her hair herself, apparently, oh, wow. and didn't tell Bob... And showed up, and he was like, what the hell did you do to your hair? And she's like, this is who she is, you know, Uh and and talked him into it. Maybe made some modifications. You can find some clips of her with a different haircut on the internet that's slightly different. But she kind of created that little, like, this little widow's peak thing. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. It's so iconic. Yeah. Every now and then she'll do something where it'll kind of get a little tussled and it'll almost look like a little comma. Mm-hmm. Like when Cher was doing kind of like the Believe like era, she had the same thing. But Cher had straight bangs and like a little like comma in there. But the Sally Bowles, the little bit, it's, it's so cool. I don't know how it does that. Um, the green nails. That's that's part yeah. of the original. I think a, that's a in note? the book. That's a note. Okay. That might be in the book. I think they talk about sure. the the green nail polish. I thought it must yeah. be because another, we we talk about this a lot so, you know when we rewatch these movies you know on a 50 inch 4K TV things stick out that never did yeah on, right. you know when we used to watch it and so I was like she is she is living for this green nail polish the whole movie well there's a lot of so, yeah there's I also figured no to, 100% and there's also a lot of um Swapping between America and Britain, between the book and the play. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. was a play before it was a musical mm-hmm. called I'm a Camera, and then it was the musical, then the movie. He, Chris and Sally Bowles are both British in the book. Then mm-hmm. it becomes, I think, American and British, and then in the musical, American American British, mm-hmm. and then it switched the for, the movie. for the movie. Yeah. Be probably because of just Chris. The well, and also Chris becomes. You know, Chris Fisherwood. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian becomes Chris Fisherwood right, in the movie. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I want to. Yeah, I want to talk about that too because the you know the Brian character. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. Michael York. Michael York. We love the Michael very York. handsome Michael yes, York. He's, oh, he's, he's great. So I could listen to that handsome. voice all night. That voice is iconic. Mm-hmm. This character is. He's bisexual in the movie. Mm-hmm. He talks about sleeping with Max. 
Yes. You know, um, in the musical stage production, he's not? Not in the original 1966 version, okay. no. And that was a big note with Fosse, right? That they had to make him bisexual? Possibly. Well, he's... I, I don't even know if in the book... Was it Chris... Chris Richwood gay. was gay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, the book, uh, Goodbye to Berlin, is not written as the character being gay that I recall okay. explicitly. But he did write a book in the 70s or 80s called Christopher and His Kind, where he kind of retold his time there okay. as a gay man. And so it's much more honest and open. And this just might be a product of the fact that it was written in 1930. Right. Yeah. Sure. You know, 33 or whatever. Um but no, in the pl- in the musical and play, he's he's just kind of repressed, sure, sexually, and and then the the movie brought out the bisexuality, mm-hmm. and then of course now these revivals, he's kissing men on stage. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's interesting what you know when she first that first like seduction scene where you know she's just like oh I just got out of the shower and you know I'm so cold and and hug me and all that mm-hmm. and. Um, her kind of reaction to it is just like, oh, maybe you don't sleep with girls. Yeah, and she's, she's gonna flip like, about oh, it. Okay, then I'll yep. stop. Right. Then I'll stop pestering you. About yeah, it. yeah. Then we'll. Yeah. She's kind of joking, and then she's like, oh wait, yeah. and she's so sincere with yeah. him. Maybe you just don't sleep with girls. Oh, you don't. living together so if you only like boys i mean i wouldn't dream of pestering you well do you sleep with girls or don't you sally you don't ask questions like that i do all right if you insist i do not sleep with girls no 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 uh that may be absolutely accurate i've gone through the motions of sleeping with girls exactly Three times. All of them disastrous. The word for for my sex life now is nil. Or, as you Americans would say, plenty of nothing. And that's what's so lovely about it. She's Mm -hmm. like, that character's just like, oh, it's totally fine with me. And she just flips the switch. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it becomes a different relationship, at least for part of the movie, until they do end up sleeping together. Yeah. um, And falling in love with each other. Um, which is also, you know, <laughs> complicated. Yeah. But. I feel like, though, for probably 72? Yeah. For 72 in a major motion picture. It's pretty progressive. Right? right? I thought so. Yeah. yeah. For this character. It was it... important for me to see yeah. as a young man. I yeah. mean, high school, maybe it kind of went over a little over my head. Mm-hmm. But even in my 20s, when I would watch it again, I was like, God, this is so amazing. And I wanted to know more about Chris Richardwood. So right. I read his stuff and mm-hmm. went to Berlin. And I mean, it just learned about what that life was like yeah. for him back then. And it was just such a fascinating era. And yeah. he's so, it's so great that he captured these characters and, and that time period. Yeah. Um, it's something that we kind of talk about on the show that, you know, these kids today, like, they, they have no idea what it was like. All we had was conversations in a movie right. that alluded yeah. to, or like Something. five minutes of, of celluloid yeah. that we could watch that had a moment that we yeah. could relate to and understand that you would go to the video store and watch Morris, you know, yeah. and watch a love scene and get to understand what being gay was yeah. because you had no other 
you didn't have Will and Grace nope. even back then. Yeah. You didn't have any exposure to anything. You had to watch, find these films. Yeah, to go out and learn find them. them. Yeah. yeah. And then and 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 again, these are dated references yeah. of, of what gay, being gay is too, you know. But important and super part of my yeah. experience. And we I didn't think. have, you know, like Wikipedia or something. If we did want to do the research, we had to go to the library. Well, and just think about Christopher <laughs> yeah. Isherwood at this time yeah. in 1930 in Berlin. He just had to jump in. Yes. He was in a very repressed situation yeah. in England, left because of that to mm-hmm. go meet his friend Auden, mm-hmm. and just fell into this decadent, wonderful Weimar you know, yeah. scene where you could be gay and you could sleep with young men, you know, no problem. And yeah. I mean, that didn't exist where he was from. It no. didn't exist in America, really, not in that way. Mm-hmm. But in Berlin, it did. Yeah. And then it completely blew up, which is... Yeah. The tragedy of the whole thing, and part of what this movie talks about is 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 the end of that era, right? I mean, literally, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's so it's there. It's not quite subtext because they do fully have conversations about it. You know, like we said when she asks him, and then later on with with Max, who as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, is Max handsome? Yeah, he's handsome. Super. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And also like that ginger Fritz. Fritz. Yeah. Wepper. Yeah. So cute. cute. Yeah. So cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's that storyline, Fritz and the and his and girlfriend. Natalia. Yeah, Natalia. Yeah. That was kind of brought in. Yeah, that's in the, in the book. book. Well, okay. I know Natalia's in the book. I think he's in the book. He might not be. Okay. Um, but the Landauers are characters in um the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always know her from uh Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. Oh yes. I think that she's Ryan O'Neill's mother, right? Yes. Yeah. She's Barry so pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she's is, beautiful. Yeah, she's, she's very so beautiful. pretty. I think that was a performance that was probably pretty close to an Oscar nomination, but I don't think that she has enough screen time. I agree with that. I think that that... She's good in it. I think that yeah, subplot needs a little... Just a little more. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. It's a bit overshadowed by the other plot mm-hmm. with, with um, you know, Liza and, and Michael York. But, you know, I still think she does hold her own in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a hard part to play to be this kind of beautiful reserve kind of, you know, stoic person but yeah. then also having her inch out of that and kind of fall in love with that kind of a gigolo yeah. know, character you know it's, it's, she did a good job I and think. the nazis kill her dog that was sad <laughs> i know sad. so sad that cute dog the cute little thin man dog <laughs> um so let's talk a little bit about the mc character mm. and kind of like the weird history there um joel gray's another interesting one he is he is another interesting father one. of Jennifer Grey <laughs> from Jennifer Dirty Dancing. Yes, yes. <laughs> Who would have been like thirteen when they made this movie? Do you imagine like her dad just going off to make cabaret with Bob Fosse? I'm assuming they shot it in Germany, right? It doesn't they look shot it like, in Munich? Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't look yeah, like America. They anywhere. shot it in Munich, West Germany. Yep. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joel Grey is. I mean, is he a song and dance man? Is that his yes. his career? Yeah. Well, yeah, what was of. Joel Gray's career before this movie? Uh, so he was a Broadway guy. Okay, okay. Um, I, and I don't know if he did. I, he might be a little too young at that time to be a vaudeville. I think mm-hmm. this is like '60s, you know, time. Yeah. I know he was in George M. Um, on Broadway, which is um, another musical. He's just kind of that showman. This is yeah. kind of the type of part you know he would play. Um, I don't know a lot about his. He was pretty young when he did this. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, the character supposedly is based on um, Harold Prince had seen, had, I think during the war, and it might have been in Germany, maybe not, it could have been somewhere else, a man like this mm-hmm. at a club, and he remembered him vividly and thought, 
this is who I need in this show. And I think kind of gave Canner Neb that framework. And yeah. like, we're going to tell the story of Chris Fisherwood's, you know, book through the lens of this cabaret that's going to bookend each scene mm-hmm. and give you perspective on what's happening. Kind of a, a mm-hmm. it's a satire, a take on it, you right. know, and, um, from the eyes of how it's being viewed by the public or by, you know, within the scene of the nightclub, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, and I think the movie takes it to another level because they introduce a lot of like circusy kind of like acts like the wrestling, mud wrestling Mm -hmm. and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and turn it into brutality. I mean, it's just, it's so smart the way he took the idea of a cabaret, which wasn't necessarily just entertainment. It was also political satire and brought that into the nightclub. And the characterization in the movie is really, it's really cool. It's like, it's spooky. It's edgy. You know, yeah. it's like, it's really wild and over the top. It's kind of like the original gender fuck drag. Kind of. Is he I a mean, man? Is he a he, woman? He I don't know. Is he both? It, you know, he plays it mm-hmm. in, a, in a tuxedo, but he also plays it in like this crazy, yeah. you know, it's pancake makeup. Yeah. yeah. Very androgynous. Pink bow tie. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, yeah, like sexual, but also like you're not yeah. sure where and what and a little i always thought of as a as a high school student when i first experienced that character i thought him as the devil yeah like he was like a little satanic character you know like he was evil and i don't know if he is and i know they turned that around for the revivals they made him a victim which i thought was fantastic because he i think he's often associated as being the dark kind of menacing face of nazism you know and and kind of that happening and him kind of, you know, commenting on it and very dark. I, I don't know if that's necessarily true the way it's been reinterpreted. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I see him very differently now. It's complicated. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about how they changed him around for the, the uh, revivals? Yeah. The revival. Well, they kind of, they took out a lot of the, um, the formal tuxedo kind of uh, MC version. They mm-hmm. made it much more sexual, I think. Uh, much more openly sexual, yeah. I think, as far as his interactions with the other characters and with men, you know, on stage, mm-hmm. he dances with them and flirts with them. But most iconically, I think what they did with the revival is they made him, at the end, a victim of the Nazi regime. Okay. He, 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 they strip him down at the end, and his, you know, Avi Zane, you know, Avianto Goodnight is his death, oh, where he's okay. basically executed oh, okay. for being a Jew and gay. Ah, they put right. a, they put the star and the and the and the triangle on him, which oh. I mean is just like you just completely. Yeah. I've never seen that done, obviously, until that production. And yeah. I'm like, oh, they made him so human. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think he was as human before. He oh, was yeah. a fascinating character mm-hmm. and like an uh, an icon of musical theater as in Joel Gray's performance, but not like that. Yeah. And that's what I loved about that production is they took that show and turned it inside out, modernized it in a way that, yeah, it wasn't as period, but it was, it meant more. And this is Mm -hmm. the Sam Mendes one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And he directed both the 93 one and when they brought it to To the West End. Correct. So, so, uh, Jan was in the, as you mentioned, was in the London, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Horrocks is that, is that our last yeah, name? Horrocks, yeah, yeah. And then when they did it on Broadway, they 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 took Natasha Richardson, but Alan Cumming played the MC in both. Okay. And then later went on to play the MC in Cher's Burlesque. <laughs> the <True>. same character. 
True. A version of the same character. And this is where we get the iconic costuming of the MC in those like braces, yeah. the, uh, you know, almost a harnessy kind uh-huh. of situation, no shirt. Yeah, probably very modern. I don't know mm-hmm. if that existed in the 30s. Yeah. Probably not. It probably may not. have, yeah. but it's, it works. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, Joel Gray's characterization is a little bit more almost clownish, mm-hmm. I would say, but in a like a commedia dell'arte yeah. kind of a clown. Yeah, it's kind of kabuki, right? Yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. yeah, kabuki. And and Joel Gray, the actor, like you said, father of the actress Jennifer Gray from Dirty Dancing. I think he has another another child. He was married for several years. All of a sudden, you know, gets not all of a sudden, but he gets divorced from his wife and writes a memoir in his. 50s or 60s and in the memoir is just like guess what everybody i'm gay he came out yeah yeah comes out as an as an older man mm-hmm. but i mean hey good for you yeah if it took that long whatever that's your journey but yeah that's joel gray and the whole time i'm watching his performance you know because he's got this crazy like kabuki makeup on him and i'm looking at him going look at that little teeny tiny nose we were fascinated <laughs> with his profile his, his profile his nose is comes to this like teeny little, little point the, yeah at uh, this little pixie nose yeah i was like gosh do you think that was one of those like one of those like uh hollywood movie industry like crazy nose jobs from the 50s or something that just, oh god it's possible you know, i didn't even think about that because it's very pointy and i'm i don't know if that's like nature oh, like father <laughs> like daughter yeah exactly mm-hmm. um yeah, so that's a very that's a very fun character, but um, we have to. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Max. We should kind of talk about that character. I'm very fascinated with to, this characterization. To these two, there's a lot going on with this guy. So he's rich. He's very very rich. <laughs> Uber they rich. bring Uber their butler out on their little rowboat with them. <laughs> that is just pouring them champagne mm-hmm. as Liza's just posing. Yeah. in front of the boat. What does she say about the caviar? She orders caviar, and then she's like, and what are you all having? Yeah, right. Oh, God. I love her in the scenes because she's just loving every minute yeah. of being in that scene with him. And Chris just, I mean, Brian being yeah. jealous. And it's so great. It's so sexy. There's something just so awesome about yeah. that part of the movie. I don't know yeah. what. It just completely shifts gears. It's cool because the Brian character, you can tell he's uncomfortable with the way that Max is treating them mm-hmm. for everything and just throwing the money around, sure. you know, giving them these gifts. But Sally is very much, she is just leaning into it. And I yeah. think she just has that attitude of just like, come with me. Yeah, this is our life now. Well, if and he this wants is our to, life if, today. If he so, wants to pay for expensive, nice things for yeah. us. Let's Were we to it. turn up our nose to it? <laughs> yeah. 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 And um, what does he give to, or what does she say that he gives gifts her? He gives him, uh, well, he gives her the fur. He gives the fur, right. And I think the he fur. gives a watch or a cigarette it's case. It's a cigarette, it's a gold cigarette. cigarette, cigarette case. He gives, he puts it in the sweater, case. which is so sexy. That oh, scene. I love that scene. <laughs> and that's when sweater. we get all yeah, of the, the tea sweater. about the agreement with his wife. Right. Yeah. He's out mm-hmm. of town. Yeah, and that beautiful estate. And the, All uh, of that sexual tension when he takes off his shirt and he gives him the sweater. Mm-hmm. And he says that blue really is your color. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. So good and subtle and just just right. Yeah. Just right. Yes. He gives him the... He gives him the cigarette case in one scene, and Brian is kind of it. like he yeah. refuses it. Yeah. Then there's the scene in the you know in the wardrobe with the with the sweater and all that, and it and it's kind of rolled up in there. But then later on, 
Well, I guess that's at the that like Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll talk about. There's that. a seduction that happens, and I feel like <laughs> yeah. Sally's sedu- seduced by the money. I think Brian mm-hmm. is seduced by the intimacy of yes. this man and yeah. this handsome man, and yeah. that he has access to somebody. And I think the money is just part of it. Yeah, but I don't think that's really his his interest in in Max. I think he's attracted to him, and that and that scene establishes yeah. that really well. The the moments when they're kind of all dancing around, the three of them. Mm-hmm. That's the closest yeah. we get in this movie to having this like, you know, this scene of the of male intimacy, right? Right. And it is it's something. Yeah. You know, it's something for nineteen seventy two. They don't exactly kiss. I kind of love that they don't. Yeah. Because it's mm-hmm. just it's all just this build up. Yeah. The whole movie is build up and it, it's it keeps you gussing and yeah. going. I don't need the explicit. That's the whole yeah. part of this. It's all simmering beneath the surface. And that's mm-hmm. this whole movie is simmering beneath the surface. Yeah. Nazism is simmering beneath the surface. You know, sex is simmering beneath the surface. Yeah. It's just, it's, that's what this movie is. Yeah. You know, when, uh, so they're all kind of dancing together. They're in a circle, the three of them. They're getting closer and closer and closer. And eventually, Brian just kind of like, I guess he's playing it like he's drunk. Because yeah. he kind of just like breaks away, goes, lays on the couch, and is just like, oh, you know, I can't. Right. And Sally's just like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. They kind of go and comfort him. And to me, I'm like, is he really drunk? Is he scared? Is he freak? Is he kind of having a freak out moment? Of, I don't, I don't want to do this with Sally. I don't want to do this with Max. We don't know. Or maybe this is a way to end the scene without having a right. orgy threesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> in 1972. Yeah, and you know? I yeah. mean, possibly something did happen with Max and Brian. Well, that he we says it does. See. It does. Yep. He says, says it does. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sally and Brian have kind of they're having an argument. Yeah. Later on, they get back. What's when they get back to to Brian, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And um, what does she say? Like. Oh, do you think I'm sleeping with him or something? Or yeah, she says something um, like "I do." Oh and, yeah, and, or something like "or screw Maximilian." Yes. And she goes, "I do, I do." And then he goes, "So do I." <laughs> and she's fucking pissed, yeah, because <laughs> she didn't even expect that. No. I mean, you would th- I think that she would be open, or but it's she's so jealous and the rage that, that happens with yeah. that moment. Even though she's comfortable with this homosexuality, she's that idea that that ha- could have happened behind her back yes. really pisses her off. Yeah. I think that's what it is. To me, that character, that girl, it's just that kind of like FOMO moment. Yeah. He could have said like we went out on the on the lake without you. Right. And she might have been just as pissed. Sally's off. used to but being the center of attention. She just exactly. was like yep. you did this with him without me. I yeah, think. she she usually calls the shots or gets yeah. what she wants and yeah. this in moment it wasn't exactly about her. Yes. But yeah, the argument they're having, they're talking about Max. She keeps talking about him, talking about him, talking about him, and Brian is just not having it and he just says screw Max and she says I do mm-hmm. thinking it's going to be like this like yeah. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha moment and he's like, "Oh, guess what? So do I." <laughs> so do I. <laughs> And it's the way he says it. It's just so resigned and yeah. just honest, you know? Yeah, it's very quiet. It's very quiet, quiet. from him. He's just like, so do yeah, I. Yeah, so do mm-hmm. I. <laughs> kind of knowing the humor and the joke of it all, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the last we see. Well, it's not, it's not the last we see of Max. That's Is that before well, or after? Up, they end up not. He ends up leaving. And I, yeah. it's not really explicit how or, you know, in detail to what happens, why right. Max leaves. It seems like it's... It's something to either do with politics or it has to do possibly with uh, the complications of, of his homosexuality. Right, right. Sure. That he freaks out and decides to pull away. It's kind of – he's very angry when he leaves even yeah. though you don't – he's not 
necessarily he didn't come away from a conversation with someone. He's just a little upset. Well, they have a couple of kind of um, not run-ins, but they see you know Nazis out in the streets when they go to Oktoberfest. Yeah, but even before that, they they see them. And Max is very ambivalent about it. Yes. He's just like, oh, the Nazis yeah. are there, That's but the attitude. they serve yeah. a purpose. And, you know, we just they're kind of... Keeping we, the they're keeping the communists out of the, Yeah, keeping the communists Berlin. out of Berlin. Yeah. And, you know, Brian's just like, I don't know, dude. That's, you know, maybe... <laughs> He's not so sure about it. And then when they're at the Oktoberfest thing, and the kid's singing the song, and then... Everybody, Everybody in the joins crowd, in. You know, we're in trouble. In. Yeah. And that's when he says, oh, okay, do you still think we can keep them... You know, and keep, he kind of shrugs. Yeah. And he's yeah. just like, eh. That's the attitude. And that's, and that's the kind beauty of, of cabaret, this sort of blind ambivalence yeah. to what's happening around you until yeah. it's too late. And I I read that the, I don't know if it was Isherwood or the quote unquote real Sally were kind of what they didn't like was the fact that their kind of um, politics weren't as as uh, visible in the characters in the movie. Right. And I think she was just like, we were very anti-Nazi. Right. Yeah. He, he didn't like... And Sally in the movie is not. And Sally think... just doesn't really seem to have an opinion on any she of doesn't, it. Yeah, she's... He's, uh, Chris Fisherwood apparently did not like the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he went, he saw it, but he did not like the movie. I think he was okay with the stage play, but I don't think he even loved that. He never feels, never felt like anyone got Sally right. Mm-hmm. Christopher, uh, uh, Brian, or Cliff, or any of the other you know incarnations of of his character, mm-hmm. he felt that Michael York did a nice job. He, that okay. it was, and I do believe that feels like Christopher Ishua to me. His yeah. portrayal, like he did his homework, and he was like, "I'm going to try to honor mm-hmm. this man who created these stories." It feels right to me, even if he's not an open out gay man mm-hmm. like Christopher Ishua was in the in the early 30s. There is an essence of him that Englishman that and that kindness and that kind of curiosity mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. comes through really well in Michael York, I think. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, uh, Sally as a character, it's a, I mean, it's an archetype. Now. She's the, it's, she's the party girl. She's a party girl. She's, she's there for a good time. Is she this unattainable kind of woman? Is she like a Holly go lightly Kind of dare dare we say manic pixie dream girl? <laughs> I kind of loathe that term, it's but I mean stupid, but it's I mean, in like it's in cinema for a reason because you see it a lot. You see it a lot, and it and it's an architect. So it's like maybe she's you know, sort of the vessel for self identity right. for your white male protagonist. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of taken a life of her own. She's so yeah, the yeah. invention of whoever's playing her at this point. Yes, because she's been done so many different ways and so well. Yeah, you know, I mean, depending on your 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 take on what that character needs to be, but she's probably just completely eclipsed the original woman. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's something I saw a while back that kind of goes into Chris Fisherwood's um, original story. I think it was a British uh, miniseries or or TV film that came out with Matt Smith, mm-hmm. and um, they talk about that character, and she's much a more accurate portrayal, I think, of what that character is supposed to be. Okay. She's not that grand i mean she's, right. she's, yeah. she's 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 eccentric yes and she's she's deaf but she's very smart and she's very charismatic and f- yeah she's you know definitely decadent and does all the stuff but th- there's something about just it being a musical and yeah. having her sing that it just kind of takes on its own yeah. life you know so when we did look up jane horrocks her performance from the um 93 revival 
her her performance. Uh, we watched her sing Cabaret, the yeah. title song, mm-hmm. and she's got a, a short, a blonde bob, mm-hmm. and her performance is almost static. She's just standing behind the microphone, screaming the song into the mic, arms at her side. What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the cabaret. Put down the knitting, the book, and the broom. I heard <laughs> that the direction. Now I don't know if this was for the original for the London or mm-hmm. it was for Natasha Richardson, but you know she's pregnant leading up to these scenes, mm. and That's true, right? it's almost shock after post-abortion. That's the vibe. Right. Like it's supposed to be this sort sure. of pain. I can see that painful, just in shock, just just completely wrecked. Yeah, and almost catatonic yeah that, mm-hmm. that was the direction and yeah. it, I, that's a really interesting way to do it because you don't really get a lot of her experience of between going to get the abortion and getting rid of her coat and then when she decides to leave mm-hmm. or chris decides or brian there are so many different versions <laughs> cliff decides to leave uh-huh. at the end and um it's it's a way for us to experience the trauma yeah. of the choice that she made yeah mm-hmm. at that point in the show yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just the contrast in not only the direction but the the actors' choices and all and all of that. And when you see it without any of that context, you're just like, why isn't she dancing? Yeah, because <laughs> look at the movie. I mean, yeah. she's just like whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she comes, and that's a that's one part uh, of the movie when she does sing cabaret. It's it's the title track. I was gonna say. I was gonna say movie. when I revisit this movie. I'm always just like, when she gonna- well, when the fuck is she gonna <laughs> sing cabaret? We're almost like at the yeah. at like the two and a half hour marker of this movie. Yeah, in this movie. Yeah. Oh, I, it's not quite two and a half hours. It's just over two hours. It's just over two but hours. Yeah. But yeah, and she is wearing like a purple jumpsuit. I feel like 70s. it's the least period yeah. thing in this movie because yeah. we said they took a lot of pains to go to get as authentic. Yeah. Not, and not. this outfit is like, what is going on? Liza She's just showed up. Studio 54. Yeah. Liza right just after the take. showed up to set wearing that that day. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I remember being in dance when I was a kid and there was a high schooler that was doing this number and I had never heard the song. Uh-huh. Oh, and wow. I just remember just thinking like, what was is it, this song? Was it a lip sync? <laughs> what is this like song? Like singing about her dead friend? Uh-huh. But just being like fascinated with it and just <laughs> listening to it without any context at all. Like that was my first like just kind of yeah. glimpse into this cabaret world. Well, I think the song is supposed to represent kind of this, again, ambivalence about what's going like. Don't worry yeah. about what's going on around you. Have fun. Don't worry about it. Life's too short. Life's a cabaret. And it's yeah. like this kind of, you know, this thing like, yeah, the world's falling apart around you, but you need to live. And I, I, I feel like it's very much a celebratory thing for Liza 
in the movie. And what the revival did is again, humanize it in a way that's just, you see the tragedy yeah. of it as well. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. a sadness around it. I don't know if, you know, the, the, the loneliness of lies at the end when the lights go down and this idea that she's alone, mm-hmm. I think is what they were trying to give that sense that she is left behind, right? that that attitude does not survive the regime that's coming to basically take over, that the party is over, Yeah, you know, um, but it's done so well in the revival. I think the movie's great. I mean, it's yeah. its own thing. It's just different. Yeah, for in sure. the way they end it, because the MC also ends it kind of menacing. Yes, again. very menacing. A bit of a wink, of like you know, you still having fun? Mm-hmm. I thought look so. What's happening? You know, yeah. Look what's happening? We're <laughs> fucked. Yeah, you know, but we don't know what happens to him. He just vanishes. Yep. He's yeah. like, I'm out. That weird, like mirror, like funhouse mirror situation. The reflecting yeah. back, which was in the original Broadway production. There was okay. a huge mirror above. Um, in the proscenium that mm-hmm. reflected onto the actual audience. Oh, okay. So they could see themselves. Yeah. As participants. That's cool. Cool, right? Yeah. So they brought mm-hmm. it in Especially the movie. Especially because it's yeah. the, the whole thing is the theater. It's cool. Um, her, Liza's opening number that we forgot about earlier is Mine Hair. Ooh. And that performance, that's the one. So good. That's the look. Is, I yeah. know the halter the more top. iconic yeah. cabaret number, right? The hat, yeah. yeah. And she even has like... It almost looks like she's got like buns in the back of her hair, mm-hmm. but she it does. It's her almost a different wig. It's a yeah. different, like a wig or something. Again, this yeah, could really have been a change that they decided after mm-hmm. they shot it. They're True, like, yeah. this isn't working. Let's mm-hmm. put her in this. And the hair is different. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, maybe this time was not in the original production. It they was added not it for the movie. And it's such a beautiful song. And now it's in the shows, right? Correct. Now? They've yeah. added it back in yeah. to the shows. Yeah. It's yeah. Usually in the uh, first act, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They added it in for I think the '87 revival which was very much similar to the 66 but they did bring in the bisexuality and they brought in maybe this time but Joel Grey starred in that too Interesting, but it, it was the same aesthetic, sure. you know, from the original. Sure, very not the movie. I I, I happen to like uh, Nia Vardalis and Tony Collette do a rendition of maybe this time in Connie and Carla. You're right, they do. <laughs> I remember. I think they do a couple I remember songs from Cabaret. when we ran into Alex Mappa at. Casita del Campo, and you mentioned that movie, and he just had this reaction of, Ugh, I was like, why? I love that Connie movie? and Carla. And I was like, I love Connie and Carla. I try and get him to watch it, and he goes, why? Why? <laughs> I'm like, it's cute. <laughs> well, my favorite rendition of maybe this time, do you remember when Vera Farmiga sang it on Bates Motel? Oh my no. goodness, I forgot. It was about like that. her audition yes. piece for like a community theater, and yeah. she goes in. With this, that's true. She does. Of maybe this time, yeah. guys. This show showed up in Schitt's Creek. It was. In I mean, Creek. Yeah. Like, the this show is everywhere. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten there yet. On yeah. Schitt's it's Creek, it's the very. It's like practically the last season. Or yeah, something? it's practically yeah. the end. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that actress, I, for, I always forget her name, but she, um, she plays Stevie in Schitt's Creek. She she was She's Sally. Sally. Well, almost it was Moira was, for a hot second <laughs> when she comes out in that outfit, and you're just like, oh, she's ready to go. Let's you're see. like, yes, <laughs> yes, <Please>. she is. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like you said before. It's it's one of these, uh, it's one of these things that's so just kind of woven into mm-hmm. pop culture that even if you haven't seen it, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know these images and. Even even the songs because it's just kind of everywhere in pop culture. So oh, mine hair and the chair choreography. Oh, that's all. Mm-hmm. That's that's a thing. I mean, know? that's yeah. just yeah. classic Bob Fosse choreography. Oh, yeah. There's mm-hmm. there's moments uh, in Vilcomen when they're all together in a group and they're going side to side oh, yeah. across the, the Fosse stage. shuffle or whatever. The fo- they call yeah, it. exactly. Oh, no, it's amoeba. It's the Fosse amoeba, amoeba or something yeah. like that. I think and I'm just it. like. 
well, that is just the pussycat dolls just ripped that right out. <laughs> so many people have stolen. I mean, Beyonce. Yeah. I would say Beyonce stole. It's an homage. It's an homage. Exactly. It's an homage. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, all those pussycat doll numbers from like the early two thousands. That's just straight. And out just of these the movies. pussycat dolls is just its own like oh, it's tarted up lift. Apparat. Yeah, lift of. There's even the girl mm-hmm. in like the sailor yep. suit. Like, I love the Kit Kat girls. That's, yeah, those are good. my. That's my thing. I just mm-hmm. have, I love shows that have like I always say I love shows with whores in it. Yeah, but it's not really that. Yeah. It's like I love Sweet Charity yes. in Chicago. Yes. I just love yeah. these showgirls that are yeah. just kind of. I don't know. Just. I just like it. I think it's Well, great. the girls in this, the Kit Kat girls in this movie, they just have this like just dark circles around their eyes and like white faces and they're just so like They're in on it. Yeah, they're, they're in, just Yeah, they're they, just like tired looking and just kind of like road hard and put away yeah. wet as they say. <laughs> yeah. And they don't all have like these like hard dancer bodies nope. that mm-hmm. you you know when you watch Chicago they're very real looking women they're real yeah. this is probably what the girls were like yeah, yeah you know in yeah. these little clubs totally <laughs> so great yeah love that we talked a little bit about Sally Bowles having to get an abortion mm-hmm. she's talking a little mm-hmm. bit about that plot point in the movie she comes out to tell or she tells Brian that she's pregnant and he's like well do you know which one it is because at this point and it's she's like, like well, been, I don't know yeah it could and be the one of us to raise it. He wants to. Yeah, but he offers can't. to mm-hmm. go back to England with him, have a family. She can't do raise it. the kid, and she's just like she makes the choice not to do it. Doesn't tell him until it's too late. Yeah, until after the fact. She does. She kind of for a little hot seconds kind of agree to it. Yeah. Oh, she did. Yeah, she was she all into it. it. Oh yeah. But then she's just like, how long is it going to be until we're just at each other's throats? Yeah, they have this like little montage that mm-hmm. happens where she's thinking about the cabaret and performing and yeah. the seduction of it. And she just, her face, you can see her yes. shifting her thoughts about how this life yeah. could be. And that might not be the life for her. And at this point, we haven't seen Sally perform at the cabaret. There hasn't really been a song for a while. No. The yeah. last performance that she did was... I think was maybe this time or money and, and, or money. I love yeah, money. money. I think that's my great. favorite song of the movie. But yeah, um, I was going to say about maybe this time the the uh, presentation of it. It's almost you don't even see the crowd. True. It's almost you just you only see her. It's very tight on her like the whole time. I, do, do, is it supposed to be in a rehearsal? So maybe yeah, not. Maybe, or yeah. or I forget because there's like I feel like there is someone out in the audience. but yeah. it's, it's less of a. Of a big night, it's mm-hmm. either a really slow night or a rehearsal or something. And yeah, yeah, it's it's very intimate. So, so at this point in the movie, you kind of do see that Sally is missing the, you know, yeah, the show yeah. life or whatever. Yeah, she's a performer. Mm-hmm. She can't be tied down, and she can't no. be tied down. She's mm-hmm. not, and you know, she's an American girl. She's an expatriate. She's living in Berlin. She's gonna go live in. Especially like England in the 30s. That would be it. Well, that's what he escaped from. Yeah, and why would exactly. he drag her? Back Super there? depressing. Yeah. Yeah, you know? that would be just not a fun life at all, especially for this kind of a person. She's running. She's yeah, constantly running yes. and and that's that would that would prevent her from being free. Yes. So. Do we want to briefly talk about her relationship with her father? I always Ooh, think yeah. those are very interesting uh just sort of Sally of how she tries to kind of when she talks about her father. Mm-hmm. And then in reality, it's very, very different. Well, she kind of like, I don't think she's a trust fund baby because she's not wealthy, obviously, mm-hmm. but right. she's obviously given this free reign to do what she wants. It yeah. doesn't seem like a runaway situation, mm-hmm. but he's kind of also a little, she's untethered, you know, right. from him in a way, you know, but she feels this need to pull back into him when he's in town and then he totally stands her up, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah. 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 
and he kind of he writes her a letter or something. He writes her a letter. He writes her a letter and just kind of like tells her some thoughts that she's just like oof in a telegram yeah. and i think he didn't pay extra she says because it would have cost right. him more yeah. mm-hmm. you know just what her value yeah. is with him mm-hmm. you know kind of mm-hmm. sends that home again she's she's kind of in many ways fatherless that's yeah. how she comes across you know as kind of her own mm-hmm. on her own um and yeah. you know she's living in this flat and you know she takes in Brian as a roommate and she's got all these like money making schemes like if we get you these students mm-hmm. then we can charge this much and so she gets it some, seems like she knows how to hustle. She gets some translating smut Oh, right. For a local writer. <laughs> pornographer. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, hey, that is even a hustle of there that it happens today some kids that are just like they actually do come from money and have a little bit put away and they're still getting stuff from their parents but they put on this show of She's being like kind of like a millennial yeah but <laughs> poor really yeah. poor and but doesn't have a place poor. to live that's mm-hmm. her parents you know she's yeah. in berlin i i i give her <laughs> i give her all the credit for taking a chance that's getting scary. out there that's yeah. scary i mean yeah. you know christopher you know he has you know he's college educated he's yeah. rolling in from england and with it's a different little bit in europe there, going you know. from one yeah. country to another in europe She's is like going to a different state yeah coming from america in it's berlin like, in the 30s whew. to be this actress you yeah. know i mean yeah it was a hub for you know showbiz at the time but still that's mm-hmm. a big that's a big jump oh yeah totally. for a young girl of 25 or whatever yeah. she is <laughs> yes I, w- I did look up that liza was 25 she was 25 okay. when she made this movie yeah okay. I thought so. mm-hmm. cool yeah. So did you want to talk about Liza and Vi- one Vincent Minnelli mm. and her, his influence on, on this role? Is that what you were talking about before? When you said relationship with the father? Or were you talking about Oh, Brian I was talking about well? the character. Yeah. But I thought you mentioned too. I, I mean, I'm sure that Liza yeah. just had a, yeah. a very interesting relationship with her father in general. Yeah. Yeah. She was very close to, I think, her dad, mm-hmm. who also mm-hmm. was gay, apparently. Yep. Or right. closeted. Right. Um, uh, I think she... From what I understand, he was much a little bit more of an anchor to her mm-hmm. than than her mother well, was yeah. because her mother was a travel you know traveled so much and mm-hmm. also performer you know but he was a he was the movie musical guy yeah you know mm-hmm. what I mean so he you know probably yeah. had a huge influence on her getting to this point in her career and making she took him the Oscars with her oh you wow. know? yeah yeah you mentioned earlier about questions that she had about how she should take on the role. That she had with... Yeah, because she was talking about the look of Sally, and she sort of had these ideas that she was going to be like Marlena Dietrich, Mm. and that's when her dad said, no, you should study everything about Louise Brooks. Mm. Good choice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, otherwise... I mean, because Marlena is like something that you would immediately think, oh, okay. Especially for Germany. 30s Germany, who am I going to do? Not a vamp. Yeah. She, mm-hmm. Like Louise yeah. Brooks is the vamp. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's much more of the, she's a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, and the dark hair and a little sultry. And yeah. I, it works. It's so iconic she's, now for Liza. Louise Brooks yeah. was just like the OG cool girl. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a good choice mm-hmm. that he gave her. Yeah. I was really smart. It's a little, it's, it's leaning more flapper, you know. And uh, yeah. also, too, that like those early Joan Crawford, like flapper, you know roles yeah of that that look and marlena dietrich day. is such an established professional mm-hmm. that idea of kind of creating that kind of iconic you know talent right. yeah. Yeah. almost is a disservice to sally because sally's supposed to be a little bit of a climber a struggler yeah. Yeah. a little bit more you know younger and kind of hungrier mm-hmm. and that seems more like the it girl like louise brooks the younger hungrier yeah. you know vampy type i don't yeah. know to me at least so i don't know it all works yeah and then there's that scene when they are on the little the little rowboat and uh, Max is—is is he taking pictures? 
Does he have a camera? Yeah. And she's yeah, like she's posing. Modeling for him. She's, she's in posing. her little she's, she's in her little bathing costume. Yeah, her bathing costume and she's doing poses and with each one she's like Clarabo. Yep. You know, she's like naming all, you know, these actresses. Yeah. And um then she finally just says Sally Bowles. And she's a favorite actress too, <laughs> she talks about. Yes, and it's a crazy name that yeah. I was like who I I I don't know that name. Probably a, a silent film actress. Yeah, I forget who it was. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of who Nicole Kidman was obsessed with in the in the Moulin Rouge. Sarah Bernhardt. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think it's, it's not Sarah Bernhardt. It's, it's not one of those, Sarah Bernhardt. Like, kooky, kooky named like silent film ladies. But um, do we want to talk a little bit about Liza's career after this movie? So it's kind of interesting about Liza as a movie star, and she's such a big personality. But I mean, outside of cabaret. And like Arthur stepping out, yeah, stepping out. I mean, she. I mean, it Not was kind lot. of fun to see her yeah. show up on Arrested Development, yeah, as Lucille too. That <laughs> yeah. she was just sort of leaning into just being such a kook. I think she kind of took. I mean, yeah, she did some filming. I don't know if this is by her choice or just mm-hmm. if she was just so identifiable, you know, as Sally Bowles. It was hard mm-hmm. to cast her. In yeah, other things. Plus, the you know, you don't get a lot of. I mean, you got some movie musicals in the late seventies, but. I don't know. They didn't do Chicago right away. Yeah. You know, like... It, it, I mean, movie musicals were pretty much dead until, like, Evita. Well, they did, like, Grease. Rouge they did Grease sure. and Annie yeah. and yeah. I mean, all those things. But, you know, different different type of musical. Yeah, you know, And a much more modern. I would and love to see Liza as Mrs. Hannigan. She would be <laughs> really imagine. fun as Mrs. Hannigan. Actually, she would. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like when I think of Liza's post-cabaret career, I think of her doing a lot of headline shows mm-hmm. where she, yeah. and I think of Studio 54, yeah. I think of her being this personality yes. of nightclub life. Like they wrote, she went back to Broadway. She did do, she took over Chicago for a little bit, I think for Gwen Verdon. Mm. She um, did The Act, which is another cab, um, by Canner and Ebb, another show they wrote for mm-hmm. her. She did a lot of Radio City Music Hall, like Liza at there, here, right, this, that, right. you know, all the way into the 80s, you know, mm-hmm. 90s. And, and then she got, she's had a lot of struggles with illness. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's derailed a little bit of her career. But she had a big, pretty prolific live yeah. performance. Yeah. You know, I mean, 1972 was a really big year for both her and Bob Fosse because of Lies with a Z. Um, uh, Pippin on Broadway, which mm-hmm. she was not involved in, but obviously Fosse did, mm-hmm. and then Cabaret. So that was like, I mean, talk about a zeitgeist yeah. you know, year for yeah. you know Bob Fosse and her. But she, you know, lies with the Z. I mean, the last the on- the end of the show is all Cabaret and yeah. medley, you know. Yeah. So she was definitely going off that that high of doing that that show or that that movie into her career. And yeah, you're right. Film wise, though. Not a lot, you yeah. know, not a lot of stuff. Arthur, I'm trying to think, like, and stepping out, those are the only two that, oh, New York, New York, which was not a big hit. No, not a big hit. With, um, um, what's his name? De Niro, right? In New York, New York, yeah, I think it's so. It's De Niro, it's not Pacino, yeah. it's De Niro, I think. Yeah, and uh, anyway, yeah, I, I don't think of her as a film person and beyond Cabaret. You and... just don't get a lot of that kind of, like, uh, superstar performer anymore it's like one thing or the Mm -hmm. other you know that's so sad to me there's no what i lament and i always use her as a as a as a reference or um even a carol burnett or like a carol channing or the way they're a lot of actresses and actors too but there's just they're so generic like there's they they don't have their own individual there's not a lot that have their own individual Mm -hmm. thing that they're memorable for you know like that you just 
it's a personality. It's like so they yeah. and maybe that's an advantage because you can play more things and yeah. do more stuff. You don't get pigeonholed into being Dolly or Sally Bowles. Right. You know, uh, you know, sure, I get it. But at the same time, I I, I miss that 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 character yeah. that mm-hmm. comes with these some of these actresses from a different, you know, from these other decades that just, they're iconic yeah. performances. And, and I think they, I think she was fairly successful in keeping that image and that, that type of character, that Sally Bowles nightclub person going for a couple decades. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do think she did it, even if it wasn't captured in film, I think live and in recordings, she did it. She collaborated with the Pet Shop Boys. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she did other stuff. She yeah. did keep herself going. Studio 54, I mean, how can yeah. you I mean, she was besties with, what's his name? Halston? Well, well with Halston and sure. the and the guy that ran Studio 54 that oh, went Steve, to prison. Steve oh. Rebell? Steve. Yeah. And Halston was kind of like yeah. her Givenchy for Audrey right. Hepburn. That was the person who kind of created her look. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. Which is so neat. You don't get that as much anymore. Exactly. I mean, you do, but yeah. you don't. Not quite the same way. And yeah. you can't even compare. I mean, it's kind of lazy to use Lady Gaga as yeah. an example. But even Lady Gaga, even just sort of the personality of Stephanie is just very... She's the closest. She's the closest. Yeah. I'm curious of when we start to see uh, Lady Gaga in more movies. If we'll start to see of this is a Lady Gaga performance in a movie. Right. But it's hard we'll to say see. right now. I think she's Lady Gaga is extremely talented yeah. um, in her own way. But she's the closest to that type of, of, of actress, in my opinion. Lady Gaga yeah. would be really fun to see play Sally in Cabaret. <laughs> She'd probably do a great job. Yeah. So I... Kind of briefly wanted to talk a little bit about this Best Actress year because it's kind of a big deal when Liza won the Oscar. This was the first time in Oscar history that there was two black actresses. Right. There was Diana Ross for mm-hmm. Lady Sings the Blues as Billie Holiday and Cecily Tyson in Sounder. Right. Is this the first and only time there are two black actresses? I mean, it happened same- again this year. For it Best did. Actress? Oh, yeah. It did yeah. happen again this year. Yeah. Okay. But Andrew Day and uh, Viola Davis. <laughs> 35 yeah. years ago. It usually happens in supporting actress. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting when you watch clips of the ceremony, you can tell the both Detention. Cecily Tyson <laughs> and Diana Ross just have this very defeated look on their face. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would have been so amazing if either of them yeah. would have won. But there was just no competing with Liza. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think that um, Diana could have won for mm-hmm. that role which mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree i think she's fantastic in it 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 didn't happen yeah you know, obviously but um you, yeah there, there's a lot of talk about those two going up for the same part that yeah. year um yeah but liza got it and the other two were liv ullman and maggie smith yeah yeah okay and liv ullman's movie was not in English. It was, it was in Swedish. <laughs> in Swedish. Yep. Swedish. And Maggie Smith's movie was like this crazy... Travels like, with my aunt. A old, movie, a old movie lady that makeup. was not liked at the time it came out. <laughs> okay. What's not to like about Maggie Smith? Everyone loves Maggie Smith. <laughs> I mean, I know I do. Oh, she'd, be a great, she'd be someone that would play Sally Bowles yeah. as written, on Broadway. Yeah. As yeah. Sure. She would be fantastic. Yeah. She's a Judy Dench-ish, you know, kind like, of like... Like 60s and 70s Maggie Smith? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could totally see it. Yeah. Actually, it's probably more what the character really was right? like. Yeah. She could probably do a better <laughs> yeah. a better job with that. Isn't that so interesting, though, that like when a character that goes on to become so iconic and takes on the life of its own, when there's when it is based on somebody real, 
I, I'm sure when this woman was still alive and the, the original productions were, you know, were around, there probably was a lot of like, oh, who is she? Where is she? Yeah. What is she up to? And just the idea of like, are you this woman? Are you this this crazy, flighty, like, mm-hmm. are you sleeping with every guy, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, I'm just a person. <laughs> She's just a person. She wasn't. Her name was Jean Ross. Okay. And um, you, there's pictures of her, and she's... She's beautiful and kind of androgynous, you know, kind of mm-hmm. short haircut. I think she's wearing a suit in a picture that I saw. And, you know, I suggest everybody read Goodbye to Berlin. Yeah. I need to read it. I've only read A Single Man. Which is also fantastic. Yeah. 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 It's great. And, you know, he did, you know, Goodbye Berlin and also read Christopher and His Kind. Mm-hmm. Christopher and His mm-hmm. Kind is a very personal, more autobiographical tale of his time in Berlin and you get the real good stuff about his gay life and what that was like in Berlin at the time. I mean, Berlin is still a wonderfully sexual, fantastic gay city, Mm -hmm. you know, despite having been blown up so many times. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing how it keeps reinventing and finding that energy. Yeah. But um, having gone and having went to his old neighborhood and walked around and, you know, the guide showed us where the clubs were and what they were like. I mean, you just... I mean, not that I want to be alive in 1933 <laughs> Germany, but if I can go yeah. for even a day. You could day, get in your time machine I would go. and go back. I yeah. would totally Doctor Who that shit. <laughs> Spend a week there. I would Doctor Who Go back a few shit. times a month. I would totally go. I That's mean, I would fun. love to have seen. It just yeah. it seemed so, I don't know, wonderful. Yeah. But also scary. But really also good. wonderful. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's all yeah, gone. That's very, so sad. Yeah. A very unique time in history. A very specific, like, yeah. it's literally the time between World War One and World War II. It is. When this little spark of something was the happening. Roaring 20s. In Berlin. 230s, which yeah. we're now about to go into. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly. You know, possibly. <laughs> exactly. You know, after Ugh. a lot of devastation and sadness, mm-hmm. these things happen. And then it's not having it fall into something even more sad and scary after yeah. that. So I don't yeah. know. I feel like that that this movie and these stories are so important right now yeah. for people to see and to understand because we are living in similar mm-hmm. times in many ways. Yeah, you know? definitely. There's a fascism that's here now, you know, and we yeah. need to pay attention to it. And we can't be ignorant and blind and just party on these next 10 years. We have to remember that there there still is darkness in there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, Ooh. Sorry to, bring, sorry to bring it down. <laughs> On everybody. that note. <laughs> oh, man. But, I mean, this movie is, it's still a lot of fun. Like, there's, it's one of those movies that there's so much going on. I think it gets better with repeat viewings. It does get better with repeat viewings. I thought that last night. Because mm-hmm. this is only my second time watching it. Yeah. But there's so much going on in the movie that with the stage productions and the books and the the real people that it's based on there's so much that you can just and if you're like the, like the two of us like scott and i when all that stuff is there we're just immediately like looking everything up on wikipedia you just go on this wikipedia and, rabbit hole yeah and then you go and find the the videos on youtube of past performances and see the different actresses and and all that and there's just so much content out there to look up and figure out and 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 read about but it's really enlightening because it's not just a fun movie with fun songs there's also all there's history mm-hmm. there's a lot of history a lot of culture mm-hmm. um and a lot of really fantastic performances that have come out of yeah. these stories these these yeah. stories have taken on a life of their own yeah definitely for sure have you ever met liza i have not met her i've seen her perform Okay. At the Hollywood Bowl, 
and she sat behind me at Lies with a Z. What was that like? Uh, fantastic. I mean, she's adorable. She's mm-hmm. so cute. I mean, she's, <laughs> you know, I mean, she wasn't like, you know, standing on the seats, you know, like <laughs> being passed around with high kicks. I mean, yeah. you know, she's at that point was probably like in her 60s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but um, I just I just find her so, so endearing. She's and a treasure. I don't know her. She's a treasure. I don't know her personally. I mean, I saw her at the Hollywood Bowl and she was basically wearing like a sequence top, a scarf and no pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> and to me, just to be able to do that yeah. when you're yeah. 60, 65 years old yeah. and just, you know, her, you know, she's just legendary i want her to win a kennedy center honor oh yeah so every year it comes out and i'm waiting for her to get one and they still haven't given it to her and i'm trying to figure that out because to me (laughs) i just think she's just one of a kind Mm -hmm. and i just think that trumps any kind of you know like multi-oscar win or like you know and she's won an emmy she's won an oscar i don't think she's won a grammy but she she doesn't have a grammy i don't know she might have. Wow. I don't think she's a Grammy. I could be wrong. She's a Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think she's an EGOT, though. Yeah, um, interesting. And anyway. just can't compare her to anyone else. And that is so remarkable. Yeah, I just think she's fascinating, you know. And uh, she just turned 75. Wow. Um, you know, she's still still there. Yeah, still here. 75, that's yeah. not that old. It's not that old. <laughs> that's not that old. It's not. I mean, the only person I guess you could put her in a category with is maybe Barbara Streisand, right? But Barbara Streisand's mother was not super famous. True. Like I Judy. mean, yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the one thing that's kind of, puts yeah, her there's history category. there. Mm-hmm. Just kind of Hollywood folklore, you know? Yeah. yeah. What did you think of the Liza scenes in Judy with Renee Zellweger? I thought it was interesting because they purposely did not do the voice. She's a very hard character yeah. to play. So I've seen two versions now or three. I guess if you count the me and my shadows, which she's in like a telephone call, which she looks a lot like her, but she's like, hi mama. And that's it. And, but okay. So the Judy, so fine. You know what I mean? I, again, again, how do you bring that character in without her not trying to overshadow the main character, which is Judy Garland, you know, Renee Zellweger. You Mm -hmm. just have to make her this kind of little part. Uh, I saw Boy, um, The Boy from Oz on mm-hmm. Broadway, which is the Hugh Jackman sure. about Peter Allen, which was yeah. Liza Minnelli's first husband, mm-hmm. who was also gay. Um, and that was played by Stephanie Block. And, you know, I thought she did a really nice job. But again, you just cannot capture Liza. Yeah. She's just, I mean, I've seen drag queens do oh, yeah. it. And I've seen, you know, certain Broadway actress, uh, like, or Broadway type women who do impersonations mm-hmm. do a really good job but it's always in a campy yeah kind of humorous form it yeah. just to portray her legitimately yeah is hard oh yeah it's got to be tough you know because she's so transcends kind of yeah. kind to me because she's so so unique and, and he, special i think yeah i'm just thinking sure. of don't tell mom the babysitter's dead i'm wearing my don't tell mom the babysitter's <laughs> yes, dead t-shirt when christina applegate hey, and keith coogan look at each other and both go liza <laughs> So anytime drag queens do Liza now, they always wear the red sequin pantsuit. Yep. What is that from? So <laughs> it's a good question. I feel like it's from one of her acts. It's gotta be. Yeah. It's from one of her acts, like Radio City Music Hall. Yeah, you can got, see yeah. she also wore something like that. I feel like in New York, New York, maybe. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, it's a but thing. it's always the red sequin. Yeah, that's one of her looks: red and black, or mm-hmm. pink, hot pink, hot pink. Hot yeah. pink is also one of her colors. <laughs> Yeah, though she wore a beautiful yellow to the Academy Awards. Yes, I was noticing memorable. that. Oh, like, that, yellow. that Oscar ceremony okay. where it was just like, they had to sit Lupita Nyong'o right across 
from Liza. Remember that one? The, <laughs> yeah. When she won, it was just like Liza was the first person that she hugged. Like, Liza, I couldn't have done this without you. <laughs> and poor Liza didn't get in the selfie. She Remember was that? too short. Oh, she was too short. I mean, not for, for not trying. She, she was, had a blast. Yeah, you can tell she was fun. having fun. She's, She's having the time here. of her life there. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. You know, she moved from New York to L.A. I believe she's living here now. Okay. And she's very close to Michael Feinstein, who, I don't know if you guys know, but is like a kind of a keeper of the American Songbook Mm, and pianist and performer. And he actually does stuff at the Arboretum usually every year. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. He does the summer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, He's. I've met him before. He's a nice guy. I think he's very close with her. So sometimes you'll see her on some videos with him. Mm -hmm. He'll post some stuff, which is is neat. Yeah. But I don't know if she's going to perform again. Yeah. like uh, she did, you know, even in the last five years, you know, she was in New York doing some stuff, but I, I haven't heard anything about that. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave out that last marriage. To... Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah. When, uh, was, wasn't, uh, wasn't Michael Jackson the best man? Yeah. Liz Taylor was the Liz Taylor maid, was, of was maid of honor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matron of honor. That, what was that uh, guy's yeah. name? David Guest. David Guest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, unlucky that weirdo. In love. Unlucky in love, or unlucky maybe not. Maybe love. she has had an amazing love affair, and maybe we'll just never know. Yeah, she's keeping it for herself. Yeah, exactly. That's for her. That's for her. <laughs> I mean, in Boy from Oz, the Peter Allen thing. I mean, they loved each other, mm-hmm. you know. And again, this gay man with Liza it just sometimes just makes sense, <laughs> you know. But yeah, here we are. Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing about cabaret. The film is that it's just so entwined with Liza Minnelli. The the actress, the person, the mm-hmm. persona, and mm-hmm. all that. We, we're, you know, we take so much time talking about cabaret, but we're talking about just Liza. But I mean, but it transcends the character, yes. Sally Bowles. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it, it, she is. It's beyond Sally. Yeah, you know, it it's becomes Liza. Yeah. So. And I mean, if you don't have time, I mean, even just look up, go to YouTube, and just watch the performances of yeah. Mine Hair and and you know. And cabaret. And, and kudos to Bob Fosse for filming her in such a fantastic way. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the mood and the ambiance and the way he captures the light and the shadows yeah. of her. You know, I was thinking in those of numbers. how this movie was cut for a musical. Yeah. That, like, the cut, it's super fast. It's very quick. This yeah. is also coming off of just sort of the golden ages of musicals that kind of died in the late sixties and it kind of reinvented how you yeah. watch a movie musical. Yeah, I agree. It might've won best editing. I'm yeah, curious. I did. think it should. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's really well done. He did a good job. There's a lot about the editing of that movie and bossy Varen too. Oh, okay. There's a whole like okay. episode <laughs> kind of about it. <laughs> Interesting. Um, or framed with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely check that out. And that's Sam Rockwell, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Michelle Williams. Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot it is Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. He does a good job. Did he win something no. for that? Did he win the Globe? Nominated. I mean, Nominated, I'm just yeah. glad that Sam Rockwell is just not playing a racist. Because that's just <laughs> sort of happens to him a lot. the go-to character type <laughs> yes. that Sam Rockwell yeah. has been good playing. role for him. Yeah. I was actually, when I saw him in that role, I was like, oh, this is this is right. Yeah. I get this. Okay. I think he did a good job. All right. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, do we have any closing thoughts on on cabaret to to leave our our listeners with? Just watch go it, watch it, watch it, watch it now. I mean, yeah. it's a good movie for now. Yeah, does my is. body make yeah. you <laughs> wild with, with desire? desire. <laughs> so many good lines in that. Yeah, a lot. So many, just the, the close ups on her face, those huge eyes, those eyelashes, oh, those iconic eyelashes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, watch it. 
That's all we have to say. Yep. Film candy, for sure. <laughs> we have to appreciate Liza why we still have her. I mean, she's not, like, ancient. No, like, she's no. 75, so yeah. she still has a good, like, mm-hmm. 15 more years left <laughs> in her. But, you know, we have to appreciate her. Yeah, I do. For sure. Yeah, we, yeah. I do. We definitely do here at this podcast. So go watch. Uh, go. It's not streaming on anything right now, so you I, have to rent it. I bought it off but iTunes. hey, yeah, we bought it off iTunes. Just worth every $12.99. What's it going to be, Two ninety nine to rent for two days? Right, and it's going to be the 50th anniversary next year. Oh, okay. So if you can't watch it this yeah. year, next year I'm sure it will be, be somewhere yeah. in a film festival yeah. or... Somewhere. Or yeah. Hulu or somebody. 4K release or something. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure. So do yourself a favor. Get with it. Watch the movie. This was so much fun. Thank yeah. you for coming yeah. back on. No, thanks for letting me geeking out yeah. about this movie. We're almost <laughs> I mean, on episode it. 100. Wow. So I kind of wanted, yeah. the, I kinda wanted to call back some of our original guests. Earlier guests, yeah. So, well, I'm honored to be back. Yeah. Thank yes. you for letting me I'm ramble I'm glad that we things. finally got to Liza. <laughs> Liza no, yeah, yeah. We, we, mm-hmm. needed your, we needed your your Liza Cabaret, uh, I sure would geekiness to, <laughs> yeah. to talk about all this. Because otherwise, we would have just been making things up. Mm-hmm. It's fun. <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoy the movie. Yeah, definitely. And I enjoy this podcast podcast oh thank you this this show (laughs) thanks so much yeah thanks so much well uh it has been so much fun but uh it's about that time um yeah boo well uh well but we'll definitely have you on again thank you for for something else in the future but um, we have uh, we have some stuff to uh, to take care of as far as shout outs, new Patreon members, all of that good stuff. But uh, we'll probably let you go for that and not record that afterwards because you don't want to stick around for all the boring paperwork. Not that saying hi to our fans is boring. Patreon <laughs> listeners, <laughs> we'll get to you in a second. But until then, Darren, this has been a blast. Bye, Thanks, guys. <laughs> And thank you so much for listening, everybody. Fun episode. Fun episode. We love Cabaret. And we love Darren. That was so much fun having him on the show again. Well, it is that time to say some hellos, some Patreon shoutouts. Hello. And we also have a new review to read on the air. Yay. We've been saying that we'll read your reviews on an episode, and it's about that time. So we'll do the review first, and then we'll do our Patreon shoutouts because we have some new patrons. So this review is from... Listener Harry Potter's BFF via Apple Podcasts Canada. So an international listener. Yeah. From all the way across the waters in Canada, America's hat. <laughs> all the way across the the country line of Canada. Exactly. So this is from Harry Potter's BFF. Great podcast. I've only listened to a few episodes, but they are doozies. Perfect if you're gay, love movies, and remember that special feeling that certain films brought out in you when you were a mere gayling. That feeling that said, I'm not the only one. The hosts are personable, well-informed, and funny with just the right shade of sweetly catty. And all the gay icons get their due. But very importantly, you certainly don't have to be gay to enjoy the podcast. There's something for any movie lover. Highly recommend. Yay, that's so sweet. Yes, indeed. They're absolutely right. I love that. Exactly. I love it, too. And we have some new patrons. We want to give some new shout-out to some new Patreon patrons. We'd like to say hello to Heather and Muffy. (laughs) 
Welcome to our Patreon. Yay. Yay. Heather and Muffy are actually $10 a month Liesl von Rumen level patrons. So they get access to everything, including the monthly Watch With Us commentary tracks, of which Mm -hmm. we just dropped two very recently. Yes. What did we drop, Scott? Uh, Can Hardly Wait and Legally Blonde. Yes, indeed. So you can head over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash movies that made us gay to check out all of our commentary. We just voted on the 100th episode free Patreon commentaries to kind of get a taste of what the $10 level is like. Yes, indeed. Uh, We had everybody vote on Instagram. So if you're not following us on Instagram, head over to Instagram. We're at movies that made us gay. We had a little vote and it got down to... 10 Things I Hate About You, and I Know What You Did Last Summer. And the winner is... 10, Ten Things pence. I Hate About yeah. You! So we're going to be doing a free Watch With Us commentary track, posting that on Patreon, so you don't have to uh, be a Patreon member at any level. This will be free to everybody, and this is going to be released during our 100th episode celebration. In a few weeks. In a few weeks. This is episode... 96 so yeah four weeks we're getting there we're getting there we're getting there so about a month from now we're going to do our recording of of a new commentary track and it'll be posted on the patreon but until then if you want to listen to any of our commentary tracks head over to patreon.com join up that made us gay and join ten dollars you can listen to all eight i believe commentary tracks Mm -hmm. there's also the bonus oscar special Yes, which is true. Added. The Oscar special in in its entirety. Yes, the full Oscar special, and that is available to any level of patron. So even if you are our Chastity Pariah level, or if you are at a Liesl von Rumen level, there's also one level in between, and I can never remember what that is. It's the Shirley MacLaine. It's the Weezer Boudreaux. Yep. Yes, indeed. So all three levels, you will have access to the Oscar special, the full Oscar special. If not, you can listen to it over on uh, Apple Podcasts or any of the free platforms. And that's about 35 minutes. But if you listen to it on the Patreon, free to everybody or free to all Patreon members, it is the full, uh, probably about an hour and a half. Yeah. Version. So there you go. There's a ton of stuff on our Patreon. So thank you for joining up, Heather and Muffy. But we also have some uh, tried and true patrons that we want to say hi to, just like we do every week. So hey there, Paul, Jamie, Drew, Jimmy, Genevieve, Don, Josh, Emlamelli, Aaron, Melinda, and Jim, Jessica, John, Nick, Christine, and Rafino. Thank you you for for being being a friend. friend. Yes, indeed. Also, we would love it if you would rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. Give us them five stars. Yes, indeed. It is free and it takes no time at all. Just smash that five-star button. And if you want to write us a review, we'll read it just like we read Harry Potter's BFF from all the way from Canada. That was a really fun one. There's another review, but we'll read it next week because we got two reviews. But yeah, thanks so much, you guys, for uh, for adding those five star likes and for writing those reviews. Those all really help us out a bunch. So do that over on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Movies That Made Us Gay and Twitter at MTMUG Pod. Yes, indeed, I am Peter, and I am on Instagram and Twitter at Peter Lasagna, and I am on Letterboxd. I think I am Peterific on Letterboxd. 
And I am Oscar Scott on Twitter, Scott Youngbauer on Instagram, and just Scott Youngbauer on Letterboxd. Yes, indeed. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye.